This is, the reading is today is from Matthew 6, verses 11, and then 24 through 34. Give us this day our daily bread. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour of life to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious about, do not be anxious saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, hallelujah, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The word of the Lord. Okay, good morning again. So, give us this day our daily bread. Another short, compact, easy to remember, almost easy to not remember, petition of the Lord's Prayer. It's the fourth petition. And before we get into this in detail, I want us to spend a little time noticing the structure of the Lord's Prayer. You recognize that we are now at the last of the three petitions as we're going through the Lord's Prayer in this series called As It Is. And the idea is that the Lord's Prayer gives us a vision of heaven to be on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we go through this, we are learning to live in the vision of Jesus. And the structure of the Lord's Prayer is meant to accomplish that. 
You notice that in the first three petitions, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, all of those petitions centered us on God, centered us on God's concerns, made us God-centered people. And those are not put first accidentally. The Lord's Prayer is designing us and training us through its repetition to recognize that we need to be centered first and foremost on God's kingdom and God's will before we come to the second set of petitions, which are focused on our needs. Give us our day, our daily bread, our material needs, our spiritual needs of forgiveness. Forgive us our debts and our protection. Keep us from temptation and deliver us from the evil one. It is important that we recognize that those three petitions that deal with our needs, which in our humanity we always want to put first, are in the Lord's Prayer put second. Because they support the first three petitions. They are there to help us live a God-centered life. They are related. If you, if you pay attention to the fourth petition, what it does in the Lord's Prayer is something very fascinating. It ties the Lord's Prayer to our stomachs. It ties the Lord's Prayer to our stomachs and thereby makes it a daily prayer. What the Lord Jesus wants us to say is, as you feel the need for food, you should be praying for God's glory, for God's kingdom, and God's will first. And so it continues to ingrain in us by the pattern of our daily need for food, our daily focus on the vision of Jesus for God's glory, kingdom, and will being done. But more than that, or in addition to that, I should say, this petition reminds us that the Lord's Prayer is not just a spiritual prayer. The spiritual and the material are fused together here. We are not just praying for heavenly things. We are not just praying for a heavenly kingdom. We are praying for the intersection of body and soul. We are dealing with material needs, and we are seeking them from a spiritual source. And it is that piece that I think needs a little bit of attention because we have a, a habit of compartmentalizing the spiritual and the material. And I want to show that through a story of two Jimmies. The first is Jimmy Stewart, who played a character named Charlie, but it doesn't work if I call him Charlie. You'll see in a minute. But Jimmy Stewart in a movie called Shenandoah, old western, good, good movie, sits down to the family prayer and he prays this. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you, Lord, just the same for the food we're about to eat. Amen. This person, in a lot of ways, represents the ideal for a lot of us. He's, he's gritty. He's hardworking. No nonsense. He has backbone and character. He feeds his family. All he wants is people to leave him alone and let him enjoy what he has worked for. There's a lot in this prayer that gets our amen, if only under our breath. We pride ourselves in our hard work. We cherish our independence. Self-reliance is a chief value we want to instill 
in every one of our kids. We recognize, not, not incorrectly, that our hard work has made a great difference in the life that we live. But there's not a lot of thankfulness in this prayer, at least to God. And if we look at it carefully, there's also a lot of blindness in this prayer. In fact, I would say that this prayer contains a very dangerous lie. And if it is taken to heart, it will destroy our faith. It will rob us of enjoying a meaningful life. And it will ultimately bring ruin upon us and bring to nothing all that we have worked for. And that is why I think it is time to listen to a second Jimmy, or as you may know him, James the Apostle. You have to go through seminary to get that familiar with your biblical authors, but old Jimmy, the (laughs) the brother of the Lord, James the Apostle says this, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. These two different peoples come to the Lord's prayers, fourth petition, quite differently, don't they? One prays secretly, thanking himself, and the other prays, thanking God. So my question to you is, when you look at your daily needs, which person do you thank for their being met? Who do you give the thanks to in your heart of hearts? We see here in the Lord's Prayer that it is teaching us that what we need in this world, our daily needs being met, come to us ultimately from heaven. Even our material needs come from a spiritual source. And so this prayer challenges us right at our individualism, right at our rugged independence, right at our pride of self-reliance. But it does that not to wound. It does that to point to us a life that is freer and more able to make a difference. It makes us into people the world needs even more than that rugged spirit. It does this by drawing us into the deeper faith and deeper generosity that the Lord intends for us. And so as we pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread and learn to pray that daily, we see how the fourth petition deepens our faith and generosity by drilling three truths into us. These truths are drilled into us because we pray this daily. We have to reflect on this daily. Let us now look at this petition in detail to see how the fourth petition deepens our faith and generosity by drilling three truths into us. The first truth that we have drilled into us by this prayer is our poverty. Our poverty. Two words I think most of us don't want to write. Our poverty. But that's what we get if we consider what it means to pray for daily bread. Now to Jesus' original audience, life was day to day. They got paid every day, and what they got paid met their needs for their food. There was no savings. They just got paid enough to go to the market to feed their family. And they lived day by day. When Jesus gives us this petition, he recognizes that in his audience. And so when he talks about bread, he's not just talking about bread specifically, but he's talking about any needs that we may have, food being one of the most urgent. And he recognizes that day-to-day nature when he talks about it being a daily bread that we pray for. 
In the Greek, it's a little bit of a challenge to, to translate precisely the word daily here because it's very rare in the Greek, but uh, most scholars have arrived at seeing it as meaning simply this coming day. So if you pray the Lord's Prayer in the morning, you're asking for the, the, the food for today. If you pray it going to bed, you're praying for the next day's food. But you're praying for a day of food that's right in front of you. Jesus is teaching us to ask God for our needs. Needs. Daily, basic needs. This petition reminds us that we are dependent creatures. We are needy by nature. Genesis 3.19 lives in the background of our condition. God said to Adam and Eve, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The Lord's Prayer remembers you are dust. That is why you pray for daily bread. And in making us pray for daily bread, it reminds us of the thing that we want to forget. We are dust. We depend on daily bread. Put this petition on the street. Put it at the corner of an intersection of two affluent roads. What is it? Give me some bread, sir. The Lord's Prayer in the fourth petition is reminding you, you are a beggar. You are a beggar. And we work to reject this reality. We work hard to reject this reality. We fill our refrigerators and our pantries and our closets and our shoe racks and our garages with stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff so that we are as far away from thinking that we are a day away from poverty. This is our entire focus, to lift ourselves from the question of neediness, to get ourselves as far away from the condition of poverty. You ask most of us, how are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. We're fine. We're just fine. We're self-reliant. We're middle class. We're doing okay. That is the mantra that we take and repeat to ourselves and repeat to one another so that we can avoid ever coming to the thought that we are desperate or in poverty. But do our souls believe it? Look deeper. Look with me again at Matthew 6.25. Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? How many of us are grinded by anxiety? Grinded by worry and fret and tension and stress. If we are so self-reliant, if we are so far from poverty, why is anxiety eating our lunch every day? 
Why are we so afraid about making it through the day if we are truly what we say we are? We worry nonstop, and we all know that we are one lost client, one lawsuit, one bad idea to your boss, one layoff, one storm, one visit to the doctor from complete ruin. We might want to forget that, but we are like a bubble, a beautiful soapy bubble, pristine, that floats across the air, but it's going over a plane of grass. Have you ever watched your kid blow bubbles? Those little bubbles, they get a little bit lower, a little bit lower, a little bit lower, and the moment they touch just a blade of grass, pop. That's our life. We are a bubble floating over a grassy lawn. And we know in our hearts it could pop at any minute. We are really powerless. Jesus tells us in in verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? A single hour. We don't even have the power to move our lifespan one hour. And yet we want to claim with great Pride, self-reliance. The problem is that this self-reliant spirit, this, this insistence that we are not poor, that we are not impoverished, that we are not close to the edge, destroys our faith. Verse 24 that, that, that Becky read for us reminds us that no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. As we pursue self-reliance, we are pursuing security that is not from God. We are pursuing security that comes out of our wallet. And we resent God. We give God less and less because what really demands our attention, what really gives us the cheddar, is our work. And so we cannot serve two masters. If this is true, it means that most of us that are pursuing self-reliance are in, in actuality living a faithless life. A life that does not really confess Jesus is Lord, but the almighty dollar. In Revelation chapter 3 to the last church that Jesus speaks to, he says this, For you say, I am rich. I have prospered, and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he will with me. Do you see what claiming our riches and our self-reliance does? It makes us so certain of ourselves, so confident in ourselves, that the church has Jesus outside the door. They don't need Jesus because they are rich and prosperous. And because of that, Jesus is not in the center of the church. He's at the door knocking, and they can't hear it because they're congratulating their own wealth. This is a despicable picture. But it comes when we choose to proceed with the lie that we are not the bubble. 
that we are prosperous, that we have no needs. Because the Lord's Prayer says you need to pray daily bread. So, Nathan, are you saying that that wealth is bad? Are, Are you saying that work is bad? How can you say something like that? I'm not saying that. I am not saying that at all. The Lord's Prayer is calling us to recognize that our wealth and our work are as much a part of God's gift to us to meet our daily bread as anything else. In the, in the Exodus, God fed his people every day with manna, bread from heaven. And they ate every day. They learned to go out because God had given them this bread. They came in with it. They ate it. They had their stomachs filled directly from the manna that God gave them from heaven. And then when they went into the promised land, God warned them before they entered, saying through Moses, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. When they went into the promised land, God said, I'm not going to keep giving you manna, but I am going to give you a land that you can work. I'm going to give you industry that will pay for your, your, your needs. I'm going to give you good jobs. I'm going to give you fertile fields. But don't confuse all of that as your work. That's still me giving good gifts to you. I am meeting your daily bread because I gave you a good job. I am meeting your daily bread because I have given you a place to store all of that food. So we are reminded in the Lord's Prayer that we are beggars. Not to humiliate us, but to deepen our trust. How is that possible? Because we are a special kind of beggar. We are children. Aren't children beggars? But are they humiliated? Are they, are they living like they're worthless? They beg for everything. But they also have all the joy, all the security, all the peace. They don't know anxiety. They have contentment in their father's house. And when we are being reminded we are beggars, we are also being reminded that the kind of beggar we are is that of a child, because we pray to our heavenly Father. Again, Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? He says, look at the birds, and you're my child. Come to me as a beggar, I will take care of you. We are in our Father's house. Whether we lose a job or lose our health, our Father will never stop taking care of us. He will never stop meeting our needs. And that leads us to the second truth that is drilled into us in this petition. The fourth petition drills drills into us the truth of God's sufficiency. It drills into us the truth of God's sufficiency. We pray, give us this day. Father, give us this day. Note that this petition is telling us he is the inexhaustible giver. The Father in heaven is the inexhaustible giver. And he gives freely. There's no, give us this day our daily bread because I earned it. Give us this day our daily bread because I was faithful. Give us this day our daily bread because I did X, Y, or Z. It's just give us because it's the heart of our Father 
to give. He gives freely. He gives abundantly. He gives because he loves. And we are told by our Lord Jesus to ask him daily for daily bread because as the inexhaustible giver, he has enough to meet our every need, every day, wherever we are. That is the Heavenly Father that we have. He gives us always enough. The the Lord's Prayer is our daily manna. The Israelites learned day after day after day, God gave me the manna. God gave me the manna. The Lord wants you, as you pray the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread to say, God gave me this dinner. God gave me this lunch. God gave me this car. God gave me this job. He's taking care of me. It is our daily manna. He gives us enough. Give us this day. He doesn't give us all that we ask. He gives us what we need. And perhaps that is uh, an area of, of tension in our lives because what we ask for is more than we need. What we think is enough exceeds what is required. But the Lord never gives us less than enough. That is what the Lord's Prayer is teaching us. He is the inexhaustible giver. He is also the perfect giver. As our Heavenly Father, we can trust Him to give us what we really need. Here's the nice thing about having a Heavenly Father. He knows everything. He knows your needs. He knows your tomorrow. He knows your 10-year plan, which is His plan. And so He knows exactly what you need every single day to accomplish what is for you to do. So when we come to him and pray, we might think, what I really need is this particular job. This job is what I need. And we might get a no. If we get a no, it is because God knows what that job was or would become, and he knows it wasn't for you, because he knows what you do need, and he is leading you constantly there. And the number one thing that he knows that you need is to trust him. So sometimes giving you what you need is destructive to teaching you to trust. He is all-wise. If he doesn't give you what you ask for, you know in his perfect wisdom it's because he had something better. This needs to be reminded to us all the time because often we uh, are frustrated that God doesn't give us what we want. But how many times have you had the, the providence of looking back and saying, I am so glad I did not get that prayer? There are things that you have prayed for that you don't want anymore. And God was good not to give you those things. So he is not only an inexhaustible giver, he is a perfect giver, but even more amazingly, he is the sacrificial giver. He is the sacrificial giver. You read in our bulletin in our assurance of salvation You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. What does that mean? Jesus was in heaven. He was surrounded by the riches of his Father. And he came to be born in a manger. He came to take upon the frailty of a human body. 
the one who created all things, impoverished himself to the point of saying, I thirst. And he did that so that you could enjoy the riches of heaven, the plenty of heaven, the abundance of heaven, the security of heaven, the freedom and contentment of heaven. He gave all of his riches to the point of I thirst so that he could give that to you. He is not just the giver who is perfect. He is the giver who sacrifices himself for our good. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He is the Father who gave his perfect Son so that you, who are far from perfect, may be brought into his kingdom and loved as richly and as profoundly and as eternally as his own only begotten Son. He gave his Son the bread of heaven to give us not daily life but eternal life. If he did not spare his own Son to meet our deepest needs, then we have to go with Paul and say, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You might be questioning whether God meets your needs, but I would say look to the cross. If God did that, if God was willing to put his son on the cross to give you eternal security in his love, then how can you question that he is not fulfilling our daily bread? Because of the Lord's prayer, because of Jesus Christ who has come to rescue us, to make us his own, because of the bread from heaven that has come, we are no longer a bubble floating over the grass. We are children in the hands of our Father. We are totally secure. This petition teaches us godliness, and then it also calls us to be givers too. Let's now look at the third truth that is drilled into us by this petition. It drills into us the truth of our stewardship. And we see this in the words, our bread. Perhaps as you have listened to this sermon, a couple questions have come into your mind, or maybe one, maybe there are two questions in the room, not necessarily held by the same people, but there are two questions that may be coming to mind. The first is, is our daily bread mean that if God really loves us, that's seen in our prosperity, that's seen in growth in our wealth and growth in our riches? Because if, if God gives us our daily bread and I'm getting even more than daily bread, does that mean I'm loved more by this logic of this petition? Is the, is the point of the gospel to get rich through God? Is that what true faith looks like? And then there might be others in this room who are saying, if this petition is true, how come there are so many hungry people? How come there is so much poverty and so much want so much disparity. 
Does nobody in Africa pray to God for their daily bread? Because they sure don't have it. So what do we make of this prayer when I can look at the faces of people on the 6 o'clock news and say their needs have not been met? It's a good question. Well, as we look at this and think about these questions, I want to deal with them in turn. The first On the question of of prosperity, does this mean that God's love is connected to my riches? I want to say this. This petition is about giving, not about hoarding. The preachers of prosperity, those who want to preach that the gospel is about your health and your wealth right now, are false teachers. They are abominable. They are teaching lies, and they are leading you off track. This is what Paul said in one of his very last letters. He says, People who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Those who preach that if you are rich in the gospel, you will be rich in material things, are said right here to have a depraved mind that lacks truth. Don't give your time and don't give your money to people who are trying to tell you, if you have the gospel, if God loves you, you get a BMW. That is blasphemy and idolatry. There is no truth in the prosperity gospel. And when you export it to Africa, you only shipwreck souls for eternity. Because that is not the good news. The Lord's Prayer does not teach us to hoard wealth. It teaches us giving The true gospel pursues the fruit of godliness, which is generosity, not personal riches. If you are going to grow in godliness, then this petition, give us this day our daily bread, also becomes, help me be a giver of daily bread, not a hoarder of daily bread. Does that make sense? You are moving away from godliness if you think that Christianity is about making you richer and more comfortable and further from world's troubles. You are growing in the Lord's Prayer if you're saying, I want to go and meet the world's troubles. Thank you for the resources to be daily bread. What about the second? The second question about why all the hunger? Well, there are three statistics that that I think we need to know. The first statistic is there is enough food produced annually to feed nearly two billion more people than exist, to feed them daily. The second stat, there is enough money to alleviate all poverty. I want you to listen to this quote from Craig Blumberg, a biblical scholar. It says, Another team of annualists did some fairly sophisticated number crunching and determined that if all American Christians 
had given away just 10% of their income after taxes. Another $133 billion a year would have been freed up for whatever purposes people chose to use it, above and beyond all the ministry already going on. For 2009, a separate study suggested the figure would have ballooned to an extra $174 billion. A decade ago, it was calculated that only 70 to $80 billion a year, if it could be properly spent, would be needed to eradicate world poverty and then keep it at bay. That figure is lower today because of the gains made since 2000, especially through the implementation of the United Nations Millennium Development Goals. The World Summit on Food Security in Rome in 2009 determined that $24 billion per year rightly directed would end serious hunger problems due to lack of adequate food and that an additional $12 billion would address diseases due to chronic nutritional deficiencies. So $12 billion plus $24 billion, $36 billion. If the church tithed, there would be $174 billion. What this means is there isn't a supply problem. It isn't that God hasn't created his world to meet the daily bread needs of all the people that live here. There is a stewardship problem. There is something happening in the human heart that is keeping everybody from having enough food to eat each day. Because there is enough food. Now, it's a complex issue. I understand there's a whole lot of factors, and it's not something that can be solved, certainly in a sermon. But we need to recognize that it is not a supply problem. It is a stewardship problem. And the third stat that we need to grapple with is that most churchgoers do not practice the tithe. There is enough money, if we tithed, to have no poverty. The average giving reported over and over year after year is that most churchgoers give about 2.5% or less. So as we deal with that question, as we ask the question, why hunger? There is a quote that I think is worth remembering. Sometimes I would like to ask God why he allows poverty, suffering, and injustice when he could do something about it. Well, why don't you ask him? The man replies, because I'm afraid he would ask me the same question. If we want to call God unjust in not feeding all of the people, why haven't we? Why aren't we doing more? Is it because we don't have any more? Look in your heart. So these three statistics need to be weighed against this question. It could be done. I'm not saying that it's something that can be done by river, but it is something that could be done. The bread we pray for is our bread. We're not praying, give us this day my bread. We're praying our daily bread. This petition reminds us that we are family. We are family brought together by Christ confessing one Father. Now imagine, if you can, that you gave a bunch of Legos to your kids. Okay? And kid one ends up with most of the Legos. He's playing with the Legos. He loves his Legos. 
And kid two doesn't have enough Legos. Kid, one, uh, kid two comes up to kid one and says, can you share some of your Legos? And kid one says, these are mine. Get your own. As a parent, are you pleased with the spirit that's on display in your family? How many of us, though, are behaving like kid one before our Heavenly Father? This petition reminds us that everything we have is a gift. This means that we are stewards of God's riches to do His will with them. One of the things I love about River is that there is a real heart to meet needs. I have heard stories of great generosity. I watch the food pantry work tirelessly to, to help people in, in various kinds of needs. I know there's a real heart in River, and that excites me. But I also know that there is exhortation still for us here in this petition. And so let me ask you individually, how might God be challenging you to meet the daily bread of someone today? So the Lord's Prayer and the fourth petition drills into us our poverty, it drills into us God's sufficiency, and it drills into us our stewardship. To finish, hear Jesus' words again, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is your life more than food and more than clothing? Jesus wants you to know that there is a life that is more than food and more than clothing. We live in a world that has reduced itself to living for small things. I knew a woman who was pregnant. She told me that she was personally very worried that her pregnancy would change her feet size and make it impossible for her to wear all of her fancy shoes. She was living for her shoes, not for the baby. There is more than food and clothing. The Lord's Prayer invites us into a life that is more than. Your life is meant to be about eternal things, things that last, things that truly satisfy He wants your work to last. The fourth petition offers us contentment and freedom from anxiety. It frees us to live in the vision of Jesus. When we believe this petition and live by this petition, we we can live fully for magnifying God's name, for making disciples and maturing ourselves in his will. Because in praying for our daily bread, our Heavenly Father is reminding you that he will take care of all of your needs so that you can focus on his kingdom and his righteousness. Are you trusting your father for all your needs? Are you thankful to him? Is your faith marked by increasing generosity? Let us let this petition of our daily bread reveal to the, uh, uh, to the world around us that we are living for something greater. That our lives are about more than food and clothing. Let the people who are living for their shoes say, What do you have? What makes your life more than food and clothing? They will see that when we live for our daily, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. But if there is a more than, there is also a less than. 
There is a warning to us here if we make living for food and clothing the basis of our life. If that is your life, then we are no different than the lilies of the field. We may, for a time, be covered in the splendor of worldly things, but like those lilies who are alive today, but tomorrow will be thrown into the oven, we too will perish. Like the lilies, those who trust in themselves will eventually be destroyed. And all that you have worked for will perish too. I therefore ask, if you have received the bread of life, have you received Jesus Christ? Have you become aware of your poverty? That you do not have life in you but death? That your sins have made you disqualified for being in the presence of the Father of lights? Today, God offers you his Son. He gives you the bread of heaven, his very Son, the crucified and risen Lord. Put your faith in him and he will forgive you all of your sins. And he will fill you with his life. And he will bring you fully into his kingdom where life and joy is everlasting. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you are our provider. That you are the perfect giver. The inexhaustible giver. The sacrificial giver. Father, we thank you most of all that you have given us your son, Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, that no matter what harms or needs we meet in this day, we are always secure through Jesus. We are not a bubble on the grass. We are a child in your hands. So, Father, I pray that you would grow us in our childlikeness, grow us in godliness, that we might be overflowing with the riches of heaven that we have in the gospel and set free to being the givers of daily bread to those who are in need here and now. Father, make us people who live for more than food and clothing and help us meet the needs of food and clothing of those around us to your glory. And so we pray as your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.